When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody to the hockey think tank podcast brought to you by the hockey think tank.com a website for all players parents and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet what an episode we have for you guys here today it actually is not going to be jeffrey and i or a guest i'm flying solo on this one because Jeffrey Jehu Scott Lavecchio is going on his honeymoon. And with that, it is just going to be me. So sorry we don't get too much of Vex on this one, just on this intro. Uh, but what I'm going to do, we're going to have a little bit of fun on this one. Uh, so in 2010, I was a graduate assistant at Miami of Ohio, and it was my first coaching job. And with that, I was able to get my master's in sports performance and behavior. And through that, I actually had to do a master's thesis. And what I did my master's thesis on was key and common elements of successful professional and college programs. And so kind of what I did is when I was playing pro hockey before and even after, um, before I got to Miami, uh, I, I love to read a lot of books. And, and in that, I would highlight things, I would underline things, things that I thought were really important, things I thought were really special about what I was learning of all these, these coaches that were coaching these, these high-level college teams, these high-level professional teams. And I started to realize that a lot of these coaches were saying very similar things about why their programs were successful as a team and why certain individuals were successful within their programs that went on to, you know, do some great things in the sporting world. And so with all of those books that I read and with the education that I got in my master's program, I, I put together this thesis again on key and common elements of successful programs at the college level and at the professional level. Um, it was really, really fun, really, really insightful. And I'm going to share that with you guys here today. And so really, really looking forward to that. Before we do, we had to get the guy on here. You can't go an entire week without hearing Jeffrey Lavecchio's voice. So with that, let's bring on the talent of this podcast. Jehu, what's up? Are you excited for this honey? Uh, I'm about to moon my honey is what I'm... <laughs> the most excited for i uh pretty stoked going to hawaii should be very fun uh saying that through gritted teeth because i'm not the best at taking vacays uh i worked for like four straight hours yesterday uh beating on the old laptop here to get all the teams everything set up for while i'm gone so uh i should be able to relax but who knows man i don't know are you good at vacations no no i don't sit still very well <laughs> yeah you know like i I'm can just like, but i'm not very good at it yeah i'm not great at it i'm just always like oh i could be doing this or could be doing that you know it's something i'm actively trying to work on but uh we'll see how it goes hopefully the waves and the the, the ocean will chill me out a little bit oh i have to imagine hawaii is going to do a pretty good job of 
yeah. and your wife. Your wife, yeah. I can imagine, will smack you upside the head if you are not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm stoked, man. I'm uh, I'm also stoked to listen to this one. You know, I remember when you told me that you came up with this idea, uh, whenever that was, a few weeks ago. I I was like, man, like I, I'm excited to hear this one. So you know, I haven't heard this episode yet, just like the listeners haven't. So I'm excited to dig into this one. There we go. There we go. Well, I uh, we, we should get over to that pretty quickly. We should but, just get over to you. But I actually, one thing I have to do first is, so I've been doing this mentorship program um, through the Hockey Think Tank, and I've been mentoring some some kids. I've been mentoring some coaches. And one of the kids that I've been doing it with, I'm going to give him a shout out. Love it. Finn Henriksen, my man. This kid is unbelievable. And he's like, you got to give me a shout out on the podcast. We listen to the podcast, man. Can you give me a shout out? I'm like, absolutely. And uh, I forgot like for a couple of weeks first, but I have it written down. We got it, Finn. This kid is unbelievable. So great job, Finn. Shout out on the Hockey Think Tank podcast. Vaxi Earned it. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, so with that too, um, Vex, anything going on in your world outside of like this honeymoon that you're going to be taking? Uh, I had more, more teams sign up to, uh, start training with me this season. I had three more teams in the last uh, week sign up go. with me. So that that's been, that's uh, really exciting. And to hear the feedback, all the players are loving it. They're feeling good. Um, you know, I'm training university of Alaska Fairbanks, all online division one NCAA team. And uh, it's actually really cool because um, I talked to five players in the leadership group and the assistant captain were in a group chat. And at the end of every week, you know, I'm asking them, like, how are we feeling? How's the energy, you know, change anything here, there? How do you feel about this? And it's becoming a cooperative effort. And uh, it's really fun. And those guys take they take it very seriously and uh, they want to get the most out of their body. So it's it's obviously a different situation than than most division one teams are in but you know we don't believe in excuses and so i'm, I'm happy to step up and, and be working with them all online just like all these other teams it's it's been a really cool experience and uh man i, just, I don't know how long that flight is to alaska but i feel like i'm gonna have to try and get up there this year absolutely you are yeah dude that'd yeah. be really cool <laughs> yeah that, the last time i was up there was playing against them so in, in college because they used to be in the same division as, as western michigan so that's right that's right yeah and now you're training them Online. I had 13 shots up the there world is game. so different what did you say 13 I, shots the last i think the last game i played at fairbanks I had 13 shots in the game yeah Seriously? zero points too <laughs> that's a <laughs> tough night i was i was on fire i was feeling it i just could not bury and they yeah, have 13 shots no goals wow that's very cool actually we yeah. do need one more shout out as well so our uncle uncle tim haven't listened oh, to yeah. uncle Tim's episode you got to listen to it. It was the most polarizing episode we've ever done. We had more people write into us after that episode than any other. Forget like the NHL players that we've had on or coaches in college. Like Uncle Tim was the one that got the most rise out of people. So if you haven't listened to Uncle Tim, you should go back to listen to that one. But he was just announced today that he is the head coach of the U19 Team USA floorball team. So floorball is kind of like this up and coming sport. Obviously, a lot of similarities to hockey, um, but look it up. And Uncle Timmy is the head coach for the U19 team for Murica. So way to go, Uncle Timmy. Unreal. And I heard he's probably got uh, an in with a model slash actor slash philanthropist slash 
Instagram blue checkmark guy slash strength coach to maybe work with them online. I don't know. I don't know, but I heard <laughs> that there might be something happening there. So I might be training floorball players too, baby. There Let's go. go. There you go. I love it. Um, well, let's get over to this episode pretty quick here. Um, it's going to be a fun one. And uh, with that, want to thank Gel Sticks, our title sponsor first. Gel Sticks, go to gelstx.com and get a discount on weighted training sticks by using the coupon code Think Tank One Word. They are our title sponsor. They've been with us the longest of longest of times. And uh, we just really appreciate everything that they do. So go to gelsticks.com today. Use the coupon code think tank for a nice little discount. Way to training sticks. We love you. Long time gel sticks and John Lonsberry. Uh, want to thank train heroic. As I was talking about earlier, all the teams and then the cool stuff I've been able to do online for such hilariously low prices, um, helping teams out who don't have a strength coach train heroic is the app that I use. Just want to thank them. Everything they do for me, all the support uh, uh, and really helping me, you know, spread better training to more people in this game. It's been been really great partnership so far. So thank you to train heroic. I also want to say thank you to cure nutrition. Cure nutrition is the CBD company I'm with. Um, I take their products at least twice a day. If anybody out there has any questions of the, what, when, why, how does it work? What are ECN receptors? Do I have one of those? Do you have one of those? Hey, happy. Can I have one of those? Um, <laughs> what a part sandwich right in the mouth. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you got any questions about CBD how I use it or how, right. how it could benefit you? Just uh, hit me up Instagram at Jeff Lavecchio um, or Twitter, um, or just go on their website, curednutrition.com and, uh, use my discount code GMBM. Also want to give a quick little shout out to one of our former guests, Eric fair, uh, longtime Stanley cup, uh, champion, longtime NHL player, unbelievable guy, um, is part owner of Lactigo now. Um, one of the academies I work with just bought a whole bunch of Lactigo cause their kids absolutely love it. Guys, this stuff like gets your legs buzzing. It gets the legs buzzing. My pro guys won't play without it. I've heard that there are some very, very big NHL names who will not play a game without Lactigo. Like, like teams are just buying the stuff by the truckload. So um, you guys can go on Lactigo.com, L-A-C-T-I-G-O.com. Use my code GMBM there too. I'm telling you this stuff is next level. I've been using it when I hit legs hard in the gym. Now that I get to go again and it literally helps in the gym too. So thanks fairs of your beauty. Yep. I use it also when I do my leg workouts at the, uh, at the gym, nasal. So, uh, <laughs> Which way is the gym? <laughs> it's that way. <laughs> um, also, we want to thank Helios hockey, a new sponsor. Helios hockey is unbelievable. Uh, data driven website for youth hockey and so what you do is you get this chip that you put in your uh, shoulder pads and you get it on the ice and it gives you instant feedback on stride mechanics um, and it also gives you data like a hustle score um, and so many other things and one of the coolest parts about it guys is it clips all of your shifts for you so the sensor that's in your shoulder pads it knows when you're going and it clips your shifts from a video standpoint. It, it works with Live Barn. It works with any video that you have. And it will clip your shifts instantly. And you can have it right after the game. How cool is that? So cool. So Helios Hockey, 
not only data-driven stuff gives you some analytics on your stride and, and how hard you're working during the game, but also clips your shifts for you. Such a time saver for your parents, such a time saver for your coaches. And so if you do want to get uh, Helios, go to helioshockey.com. We have partnered with them and you get a discount code. Again, think tank one word, and they will give Helios new Helios members 20% off their initial 12 month membership. So awesome, awesome stuff from them. And we also want to thank icehockeysystems.com, the premier website for all your coaching education needs. I actually just got done with them last week. Uh, Alyssa Gallardi, who's been on the podcast, I believe now three different times. Uh, her and I did a season kickoff for them and we did one for uh, midgets, midgets and bantams, uh, peewee squirts and mites. And uh, it was awesome. And these guys care so much about the hockey development of everybody in the youth hockey game. And so go to icehockeysystems.com. They have thousands of drills on there for you. Whiteboard explanations from some unbelievable hockey minds. Uh, you have the ability to draw your drills, save them, store them, send them out to your teammate or to your team beforehand. And also we have partnered with them to do a hockey think tank associations tab. So you can get this literally for every single coach in your organization. And not just that, but also all the parents in their organization because they have access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So guarantee you hockey directors and coaches, if you get this for your association and you get the parents thing, um, lots less emails and phone calls from unhappy parents. Uh, and so with that, uh, we are going to get over to this podcast episode. This is me doing basically my master's thesis on key and common elements of very successful professional and college team. So without further ado, here we go with that master's thesis presentation. What is going on, everybody? I am here flying solo today as my cousin is flying with his beautiful fiance out to Hawaii and their honeymoon. So really, really excited for Vex and Kylie and uh, feel a little lonely here today, but I'm going to do as best I can to provide some insight on some awesome leadership principles that I learned as I was doing my master's thesis when I was a graduate assistant coach and getting my master's in sports performance and behavior at Miami of Ohio. This year was 2011. So it's been about 12 years since I've broken this thing out, uh, but put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this presentation, had to get this pass for me to graduate with my master's from Miami. So um, it's uh, it's something that's helped me a lot in in my growth and, and my education as a leader and so basically where this stems from is when I was playing pro hockey, I played pro hockey for two years in the Central Hockey League and the East Coast Hockey League. And I knew I wanted to get into coaching at some point when I was done. And so I started to read a lot of books about coaching. And as I was reading these books, I started to realize that so many of the leaders and so many of the coaches that I was reading about that had written either biographies or autobiographies, you know, they started to say really similar things about why their teams and why their programs were successful, but also why were certain individuals within those programs and within those teams successful. And so I, I really just started to underline things. I started to kind of categorize some things and I ended up using all of those, you know, annotations and everything that I had underlined to um, formulate this master's thesis. And the thesis was on key and common elements of really, really successful college and professional programs and, and coaches. And so just to kind of get things started, I wanted to give you a little bit of a list of the coaches that I read about as I was, you know, going through my journey of 
becoming uh, a coach. And so a couple of the people I read, Tony Dungy, Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Tressel, John Wooden, Lou Holtz, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, Roy Williams, Vince Lombardi, and Bobby Bowden. Those were the, the coaches that I read about, unfortunately, at the time in 2011. Not a lot of hockey books that were being written. So um, again, just wanted to read about what are these successful coaches doing and how can I take some of the stuff that they were doing and uh, and really incorporate it into what I did as a coach when that was going to arise. So um, those were, you know, some of the people that I read about encourage everybody. If you want to do some research on your own and, and go and get some of these books, my favorites, I would say probably are the gold standard by Mike Shashevsky and sacred hoops by Phil Jackson at this time of, uh, of reading these things. Again, this was 2011, um, Pat Riley, the winner within was really, really good too. Anything by John Wooden, I would encourage anybody to read anything by John Wooden. I think he is the greatest coach of all time in any sport. Again, 10 national championships in 12 years as an NCAA basketball coach at UCLA. So uh, I've read a ton of his books and I would encourage everybody to do that as well. So um, there was a lot of kind of like um, academic mumbo jumbo at the beginning of this. I'm not going to bore everybody with, with any of that. Um, but I'm going to get right to right now. Um, some of the things, what were the key and common elements of some of these really successful programs and successful coaches as they were building the culture and building the foundation of their programs, whether it was college sports, whether it was pro sports, whether it was football, basketball, whatever it may be. Uh, and again, these are, 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 you know, people that have led their teams to championships, winning records, dynasties, whatever you name it. So um, if you guys are ready, I will, uh, I will get started. And the basis of all of the research, quote unquote, that I did, it boiled down into four main things. What were four things that these coaches did extraordinarily well, different than their peers, different than their competition that really allowed them to win and to build these really successful championship programs. Uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about is they had a real big emphasis on people and personal relationships. A lot of time and effort and thought into people, a lot of time and effort and thought into personal relationships. The second thing that we'll talk about is they always had a look at the bigger picture. They were really, really good at looking at the whole of the student athlete or the athlete and looking at a whole as their program, rather than just being in the grind of the day to day. They were forward thinkers who really thought about the big picture of what they were doing. The third thing we'll talk about is different characteristics that these coaches had that allowed them to be really, really successful. And then the fourth is all about habits. Habits is something that Vex and I talk about so much as it relates to, you know, just being great at what you do is forming really, really good habits. Well, these coaches are, are the same in their habits as individuals, but also in what they preached to their teams as well. So uh, those are going to be the four kind of foundations of what we're going to be talking about today. And the cool part about this presentation is I use a lot of their quotes in it. So you're going to be hearing me read a lot of quotes that they used in their books from their philosophies of how they built their cultures and their programs. And uh, so, yeah, really, really excited to get started. So again, first thing that we're going to talk about here is an emphasis on people and personal relationships. Like I said, these coaches spent so much time and effort in building relationships, not just with their players, uh, but with their coaching staff and the staff as a whole that was associated with their program. So who 
We're going to talk about having the significance of everybody in their program. We're going to talk about personal relationships with their coaching staff. And then we're going to talk about uh, their relationships with their players and particularly their team leadership. And then how did they build personal relationships? What was important to them? Uh, number one, it's about building trust, how you do that. Number two, it's about focusing on personal growth, not just growth as an athlete. Uh, number three, they all talked about how important it was to learn about their players. And then the fourth thing is about communicating effectively and, and how they got their point and how they got their message across. So starting things off, we're going to talk about the who of forming these relationships and the emphasis on people and personal relationships. And it's everybody. They needed to form relationships with everybody as a part of their program. So first quote I have is from John Wooden, everyone on the team from the manager to the coach, from a secretary to an owner has a role to fill. So we can't just build our relationships and focus on our players. We can't just do it with our coaching staff. Everybody had to have a piece. Everybody had to have a role. Everybody was a part of the building of the foundation of the culture of the program. Really, really, really important. Uh, and then Vince Lombardi. Some of the players on the team were going to be famous. Some were going to be obscure, but everyone was equally important. Again, they needed to put time and effort into everybody in their program. Everybody was important and they really made a big emphasis on, uh, on forming those relationships with everybody, uh, to start team leadership coaches, Chuck Knoll, who was a huge, awesome coach, uh, back in the seventies, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, won a lot of championships with them. His thing was he always looked for good football coaches who were also good people and who had different strengths that they brought to the team, right? So when he talked about his coaching staff, they didn't, they weren't just good football people. They also had to be good people and he had to have a diverse, a diverse group of coaches on his staff. So he didn't want the 10 of the same coach. He needed people with different personalities. He needed people, you know, with different values. He needed people with different thoughts on the game, different thoughts on how to build relationships with players. So as he was looking to build his team uh, from a leadership standpoint, from a coach's standpoint, he needed a diverse set of people. That was one thing that a lot of the coaches talked about. Um, and then we have Bill Belichick and really crazy story about him. He wanted coaches on his leadership team that would challenge him. Kind of goes back to it. He wanted people with a diverse set of skills, diverse set of communication style, diverse set of ideas on how to play the game and build things. Um, and he would legitimately fire coaches if they didn't challenge him. So if they were yes men, no thank you. Didn't want them a part of their staff. So as these people were building relationship with their coaches, they really wanted good people who brought different skill sets and wanted people who weren't just going to be yes men. That was a real big um, combination, real big kind of like consistency between all the coaches that I read about. Um, the next thing we'll talk about is player leadership. And for me, and we've talked about this on the podcast all the time, player leadership is everything. It's absolutely everything. If you don't have a good player leadership group, you're done as a coach. Don't care how good you are. You need your leaders to buy into what you're doing and, and work hard and be the hardest workers on the team. Um, Mike Krzyzewski, one of his quotes, it's the players who have the best feel for the game once they're on the court. So he viewed it as his job was to equip these players to lead from the front equip these players so he didn't have to be the one always screaming from the sidelines. The players would do it themselves and they would lead and he would teach them to lead on the court because at the end of the day, like he said, they have the best feel once they're out on the court. So something really, really, really important. Uh, Tony Dungy, one of the things he talked about a lot was replicating leaders. So what does that mean? That means do you have 
a substantive like program in place where especially from a college standpoint, but even from a pro standpoint where players are coming in and out all the time, where you are developing leaders, leaders can see leaders lead, and then they can leave it further and better from when they left it before. What kind of curriculum do you have to develop leaders? So Tony Dungy always wanted to have something in place where leaders would become leaders. They would develop them from within. And that way you always had leaders. You didn't have to bring them in from the outside. You had players that were learning those things on a consistent basis. Unbelievable, unbelievable advice. And then Bill Walsh, what he talked about, successful coach with the 49ers, won a ton of Super Bowls. It is accomplished through mentoring within your organization. Mentoring, I feel like, is the least used, yet one of the most important things that any company, any team can really, really, really do within their program. If you have people, it kind of goes back to replicating leaders with Tony Dungy. If you have leaders showing younger leaders the way, if you have set up some kind of a structure where people have like some sort of a buddy system or some sort of accountability system, you know, where they have a mentor that they can go to, to ask questions where they have a mentor that they can look at and see how they do things. Again, if this is something that's really thought out and you're putting a framework in place for these kinds of things where you're developing leaders so they can do it once they're on the court, the ice, the field, just like Mike Krzyzewski said, you are setting yourself up for huge, huge, huge success. So that's the, who when it comes to building personal relationships and putting really the time and effort and and emphasis into people. The next thing we're going to talk about is the how. How did these coaches build relationships with the players? What was important to them? And the first thing that we're going to talk about is building trust. Trust is the glue that holds everything together in any kind of an organization, whether it's a business, whether it's a team, whatever it may be. Uh, Here's Mike Krzyzewski. Mike Krzyzewski, Two people who communicate and trust one another develop the ability to act as one. I think that's a great introduction to building trust. When you have trust, you work together, you're pulling from the same rope, everybody's in it together. And and that's where truly special teams, once they get to that point, um, the sky is the absolute limit. Uh, Lou Holtz, one of the things he talked about. Players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you want to build trust with somebody, showing them that you care is everything. And I don't mean just saying it, I care about you. But what are the things that you're doing on a typical day-to-day basis to prove that you care about the team, that prove that you care about the individuals within the team? That's the special sauce. So it's not just about, hey guys, I trust you. Hey guys, you should trust me. It's about what can you do to show that trust because a lot of times there's a disconnect between leaders and players, leaders and employees, wherever you are on, Hey, I care about you versus I'm showing you that I care about you. What can you do to show the people that you work with that you care about them? That's how you build trust. And then at the end of the day, another Lou Holtz quote, greatness starts with belief. When there is a belief in each other, that's where trust really shines. So how can you build that belief within the group? How can you build trust within that group? Again, showing them you care, being authentically you, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, but just the building of the trust, that's that's everything when it comes to building a culture. Um, a lot of these coaches wrote about and talked about focusing on personal growth. How can we develop not just great athletes here, but how can we develop great people? Bobby Bowden, the Hall of Fame coach from Florida State, won his national championships in the early 90s. 
he talks about my greatest accomplishments were seeing my players become good husbands, fathers, and professionals. These coaches were going out of their way actively to make sure they were talking about things, not just about football. They were relating life lessons to the things that they were talking about on the field or on the ice or on the court or wherever they were doing their coaching. It wasn't just about developing athletes. It was about developing people because at the end of the day, our lives as athletes are very, very short. So if you're focusing on those things, you're teaching them things that will be able to benefit them once they're done and their sport is gone. But also it's just, again, it's showing them that you care about them as people. And Jim Tressel, coach from Ohio State, he talks about what we offer them is a four or five year program that focuses on each of them as a person. Notice he didn't say that focuses on them as a football player. He talks about focusing on each of them as a person. So all of these coaches, they were so committed to them, uh, to their players as people, not just as players, but as people. It went to build the trust. It built camaraderie and ultimately ended up building trust within the group. So awesome, awesome stuff. Um, how are they doing this? They really, really, really had a huge emphasis on learning about the players. Where does this player come from? What makes this person tick? How do you motivate this player? How do you not motivate this player? They really wanted to get educated on each and every individual player within their program as to how to get the best in them. So here's Mike Krzyzewski. You have to really know someone in order to bring out the best in them. Jim Tressel, you never know what others are going through. I think that is such a huge, huge point because what you see on the surface, kind of like the tip of the iceberg, that's not what's going on in everybody's life. There's a reason why people act the way that they do. There's a reason why people bring certain attitudes, certain, um, you know, just kind of ways of being to the rink, the field every day. And a lot of that has to, a lot of that comes down to what's happening away from the rink, what's happening away from the field. Like when we were growing up, we always were told, you know, once you get to the rink, you know, just drop whatever it is in your personal life and just focus on hockey. At the end of the day, that's that's not really realistic. You know, our our outside life a hundred percent, a hundred percent affects the way that we play and what kind of energy we bring to the rink on a consistent daily basis. And the more as a leader, you can get to know the backstory. You can get to know, you know the the outside life of of these players um the more you'll be able to coach them the more you'll be able to communicate effectively with them the more you'll be able to relate with them so really getting to know the players so they number one feel comfortable if they are going through something they can come and talk to you that open door policy is actually an open door policy um and then number two when you see some patterns and behavior that aren't along the lines of what these people are are kind of typically acting like then you can step in as a leader and say, Hey, that you all right. Like what's going on right now? Uh, everything good. Um, and then again, it's just learning about the players. And then Phil Jackson, who I think is one of the greatest coaches of all time. I've read a bunch of his books that he's written. Um, his quote is you're trying to empathize with the player and look at the situation from his point of view, and it can have a transformative effect on the team. I think empathy is a superpower for any leader. And if you can truly put yourself in the shoes of the people that you are leading, 
that is what great leaders do because then you have a perspective from their frame of mind and then you can more effectively communicate. You can come to solutions a lot quicker. And I just think empathy, really feeling for what people are going through on a consistent day-to-day basis goes a long way. Um, again, awesome, awesome quote there from, from Phil Jackson. Um, and then the last thing we'll talk about as it relates to how, how these leaders built their relationships with players, a lot of them talked about just like effective communication. How can you communicate your point effectively with players so they're understanding what you're talking about and they're understanding where you want them to go on their individual journey or where you want the team to go on the team's journey? So one of the things Mike Krzyzewski talked about, this is just an effective communication technique. When he talks to his players, when we talk to each other, we look each other in the eye, we tell each other the truth, and we treat each other like men, right? So we look each other in the eye, we tell each other the truth, and we treat each other like men. So it's just communicating, honestly, communicating respectfully. And when you do that, you can get your point across so much quicker, so much better. And uh, I just think just the way that he talked about how how he wanted his team to communicate with each other, really, really interesting. Um, Phil, Jox, Phil Jackson, he talks about having a clearly defined set of principles to work with and how that reduces conflict. So a lot of times conflict within a group, it comes from miscommunication. But like Phil Jackson said, they had a clearly defined set of principles. When you have a clearly defined set of principles on how to communicate, you have a clearly defined set of principles on what your culture is, what's acceptable, what's not, what's the accountability when you get out of the way. Um, Again, like he says, it just reduces conflict. It reduces tension because everybody understands what the standards are. Everybody understands what the expectations are within the culture of the group that you have. Um, And then the last thing, Bill Walsh, flowers will die if all you do is pick weeds. They need sunshine and water. People need the same. Unbelievable quote. Unbelievable quote. Flowers will die if all you do is pick weeds. They need sunshine and water. People are the same. So when you're communicating with your players, when you're communicating with the people that you are leading, it's not just about criticism. People have to hear praise. People have to hear what they're doing well, not just what they can do better at. I know some people even have like these percentages or these like, you know, compliment sandwiches where it's like, okay, compliment (laughs) and then criticism and then compliment percentages, it's got to be 70, 30, whatever it may be. It's different for everybody based on how you authentically communicate and who you're communicating to. Um, But at the end of the day, I think, you know, for a coach that built a dynasty in San Francisco, especially in an old school environment, flowers will die if all you do is pick weeds. They need sunshine and water and people are the same. You do need to pick the weeds for sure. It's important to give constructive criticism and feedback when people need to be better, but you also need to prop them up when it's um, available to prop people up to and when they earn the praise from what you're expecting. Um, you know, why, why is focusing so much time and effort on people important? Here's Tony Dungy to maximize team performance. The leaders must create the appropriate culture. A healthy culture values its people. If you've listened to our podcast, or if you've read any of the things that I've wrote, you know, how much, 
I think culture is everything when it comes to building a team and how it is a living, breathing organism that gets better or gets worse based on how you treat the culture every single day and how people interact with each other every single day. And like Tony Dungy said, if you want to win, you have to have a great culture and a healthy culture values its people. And then Bill Wash to take it all home. The most important attribute of any organization is the way it treats its people. At the end of the day, this is why I started off my presentation with the emphasis on building personal relationships because it is the most important thing when you're building an organization. The most important attribute of any organization is the way it treats its people. So as you guys are going on your journeys as coaches, as leaders, as parents, as teachers, whenever you're leading anybody, the focus, number one, has got to be on how much time and effort, how much value am I putting in to the personal relationships of the people that I'm leading and into the personal relationships of the people within our organization together as a group. Awesome, awesome stuff. So that's all about people and personal relationships. Hopefully you guys got something out of this. This is really weird for me doing this by myself. I'm literally staring at a computer screen, um, talking to a PowerPoint presentation that I did 12 years ago. Um, so hopefully you guys are getting something out of this. Um, I'm actually having a good time kind of rehashing this because I put so much work into it. I literally um, did my program in like a year and a half. And I was up until, you know, on top of my coaching duties at Miami, I would like, you know, go to my classes in the morning, we would practice in the early afternoon. And then I would be in my coach's office from like, let's say four o'clock till probably midnight for like the second semester, just working on schoolwork, because I had to cram two years into a year and a half, uh, which was absolutely crazy. But we did it. We're here. And now 12 years later, we're talking about it on a podcast. So um, I'm really excited to, to focus on the next subject. So we just talked about personal relationships. The next thing that these coaches talked about is the focus on the bigger picture. They weren't just football, basketball, hockey, soccer coaches. They focused on the bigger picture. They always had this unique ability to talk and communicate about like being a part of something greater than yourself and like it just being bigger than yourself, whether it was bigger than yourself as a coach or communicating to the players um, that you were bigger than something too. So um, there's going to be six little topics that we'll talk about as it relates to the focus on the bigger picture. Again, this is all in PowerPoint. So it's easiest for me to just kind of go point by point here. Um, first thing we're going to talk about is they all talked about the troubles with society today um, and, and just how society isn't really lending itself to producing really high quality people with everything that was going on. Um, the second thing, they always talked about becoming a good person first, athlete second, which kind of relates to what we talked about earlier with the personal relationships. Uh, they all were really into priorities, like focusing on your priorities and having balance. Um, gratefulness, being grateful and having gratitude was something that was really important to a lot of these coaches. Um, personal responsibility and ownership, that was another one that they talked about a lot. And then bringing it home, they all talked about what we're doing here is just a small part of something greater, a small part of something greater than us. And so um, we'll get right into it here. So first thing we'll talk about, what do we mean by the bigger picture? Um, Tony Dungy, although winning a Super Bowl was one of our goals, to be sure, we were clear 
that our mission as an organization incorporated far more than winning on the field. And Jim Trestle, so that's from like a team and an organization standpoint. And then Jim Trestle, I do believe that well-rounded and complete people are going to make more first downs and win more games. So again, we're talking about this from not just a team standpoint or a program organization standpoint, but also an individual standpoint. We're all focusing on the bigger picture here. Uh, As I alluded to earlier, a lot of these coaches talked about how it's difficult to coach in today's day and age. Now, this was a decade ago, and these people probably wrote their books within the decade before that. So this might be a little bit outdated with the quote unquote society today, but a lot of it is different. Um, Phil Jackson, he talks about bringing the the, the difficulties of bringing individuals on a team together. Um, and his quote from his book, Sacred Hoops, <clears throat> our society places such a high premium on individual achievement. It's easy for players to get blinded by their own self-importance and lose a sense of interconnectedness, which is the essence of teamwork. Um, So true still today. Again, we're talking about the social media revolution and Instagram and everybody like stats and rankings and all this kind of stuff. Like it's really, really hard as a coach sometimes to build a team framework around so much individual achievement that gets celebrated all the time and is always out there for people to see. Um, I don't think there was anybody better ever than Phil Jackson at doing that. If you watched The Last Dance, which was the um, documentary about the Bulls when Michael Jordan was there, um, you really see how unbelievable Phil Jackson was, how many different egos and how many just unbelievably talented people he had getting Michael Jordan to to buy into to being a part of a team and sacrifice a little bit of the me to the we. Um, it's, it's difficult for some coaches and some leaders nowadays with so much emphasis on individual recognition. Um, and a lot of them talked about how that was a big part of their job was taking those egos and how can we use this to better the group? Um, and then the second thing, uh, troubles with society today, um, John Wooden, he talks about what's really important in life and his quote from his book, our society as a whole has become so infatuated with material things that we have gotten away from fundamental values and ideals. We seek happiness in the wrong places and the wrong form. Unbelievable, unbelievable quote. And one of the quotes that I use from John Wooden in all of my team building, and it actually is the end of all of my team building exercises that I do is we talk about what is the definition of success and John Wooden has the best definition of success that I've ever heard. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But what he talks about in success is success is peace of mind. Success is peace of mind that when you look in the mirror or you put your head down at the, on the pillow at night, you are at peace with who you are as a person and what you did today to reach the potential of yourself and to help other people reach their potential. That's what true success is. So many times, uh, with data and analytics and things like that, um, records, it's so easy to quantify results, wins, losses, points, things like that. It's not as easy to quantify how you make somebody feel. It's not as easy to quantify giving back. It's not as easy to quantify values, right? So our society, they, like he said, becomes so infatuated with material things, physical things, things that you can like record and have data on 
we're seeking happiness in the wrong places. We're seeking happiness in the wrong form. Like his thing that he talked about all the time is the greatest thing that you can do for your own personal development is doing something for somebody else without the expectation of something coming back in return. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. John Wooden is like a, he's, he's a philosopher. He's not just a coach. He's a philosopher. So when, when him and Phil Jackson are talking about the troubles with society today, these are the things that makes life a little bit more difficult for the coaches, but ultimately at the end of the day, by looking at the bigger picture and focusing on people, they're able to teach the people that they're leading what's important and how to bring a team together. So, so, so cool. Um, next thing we'll talk about is these coaches. Um, they talk about becoming a good person first and teaching kids how to become a good person first and an athlete second. So Lou Holtz, his quote, Coming to Notre Dame was not a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision, one that would affect the way a student athlete would spend the rest of his life. So again, I think, think it's that's a really awesome frame for this, right? Like when you're coming here, it's not just four years that it's going to have an impact on you. It's a 40-year impact that it's going to have on you because you're going to learn how to be a great person while you're here and we're going to set you up for life after football. Really, really cool. And then back to John Wooden, I told them in the recruiting process that they were coming to USL or sorry, that they were coming to UCLA to get an education, to get a degree that I stressed should always be first and foremost in their minds. Again, here's a guy who coached teams that won 10 national championships in 12 years and his recruiting pitch. It was, you're coming here to get a degree. You're not coming here to win national championships first. You're coming here to be a student first. Again, student athlete, student first. And so these coaches really put an emphasis on the bigger picture of making sure they were teaching these kids and giving and providing them the education to become better people first and then athlete second. And again, what does that do? It shows the players that you care about them and it shows them that you're in it for them, not just you're using them to win another championship, put another ring on your finger. Really, really cool. Another thing, priorities. A lot of these coaches talked about priorities and a lot of these coaches talked about it was really, really hard, but they wanted to have some semblance of a balance in their life. And they wanted each person within their program to have some sort of a balance in their life where it wasn't just athlete, coach, a hundred percent of the time. So Tony Dungy, I think was the best out of all of these coaches is doing that. So I have a couple of quotes from him. Uh, and he says every year, the topic of my first talk at training camp is family. I want each guy to understand that his family is his first priority. Again, by saying that it humanizes him by saying that it shows his players that he cares. Um, and he really means it. Like he was somebody that was really big into obviously his faith. If you know, Tony Dungy, but very much into his family as well. And then the last thing, our employers need for us to engage in our prior in our other priorities, because these are the things that recharge us and strengthen us. So having other things outside of the sport that you're coaching or outside of the sport that you're playing, he wanted his players and he wanted his staff to have other things that they were interested in, have other things to do. So when they came back to the football field, they were energized. And we had a guy named Duncan, Duncan Fletcher on our podcast 
I don't know how many years ago it is now, but he's done a lot of work with the NHLPA and they actually did a study of professional athletes that showed that if you have interests outside of the sport that you play, it actually leads to more productivity when you do play. So I think that that is such an important lesson, particularly for the parents and their kids that are listening to this right now. It can't be all hockey all the time. As much as Vex and I love this sport, we need other things to do to be able to, when we get back to the rink or when we're doing the stuff that we're doing now, to be fully engaged in what we're doing. Um, it goes back again to multiple sport athletes. When kids are kids, they should be playing multiple sports. They should have other interests. They should have other hobbies. If not, you're going to burn out. If not, you're putting yourself at a risk of getting injured. So again, priorities and balance were things that um, honestly, a lot of these coaches struggled with for themselves, but at the end of the day, they knew how important it was to not only bring in the best out of themselves, but bring in the best out of their teams and the individuals within their teams as well. Um, so priorities and balance, gratitude is the next thing. Gratitude, being grateful and giving back were things that these coaches spoke very, very passionately about. And so we'll talk about first Lou Holtz, his quote, everyone has someone to thank for what he or she has. By communicating, being grateful for the fact that you are here right now and being grateful for everybody that has helped you along the way to get here such a great perspective to have. And it just allows you to be so much more in the moment gratitude for the people that got you here. Um, and now it's funny. I'm thinking about like the college commitment, typical Twitter, uh, thing, where what like to thank everybody along the way, <laughs> which is pretty funny and vex. And I like to have some fun with that one, but, uh, just a uh, really powerful quote. Everyone has someone to thank for what he or she has. Second thing, John Wooden. And again, I just said this, the greatest joy one can have is doing something for someone else without any thought of getting something in return. Man, what an unbelievable piece of literature for personal development. Again, like when you do something for somebody else, you are becoming a better person. And why is that? Because you are giving back and it makes you feel really good, honestly. Like in, in times where I've gone on different service trips or mission trips, um, at times where, you know, I've provided services for free, um, like it, it just makes you feel so much better as a person knowing that you're making an impact on other people. And so John Wooden, that was something that was front and center with everything that he did was just gratitude and how important it is to, to give back. And then the last thing I'll talk about, so Mike Krzyzewski, the book that, that I read uh, from him was called The Gold Standard. And it was about leading the Olympic team uh, to, to gold after USA basketball hadn't really done very, very well. And one of the things that, that he would do, and again, this goes back to, he is, uh, he coached at, at army. Um, he would bring military officers in to, to speak with the team about the importance of gratitude and to show these players that like what they're doing is a small part of like the world as a whole, like who's more important, a bunch of basketball players or guys that are guys and women that are, you know, putting their lives on the line to protect our freedoms in this country. So bringing military um, officers in, it just, it, it, it provided this avenue for the players to really understand what gratitude means for the things that they have in their lives. And uh, just a really awesome technique from Mike Krzyzewski to, to really provide that value um, to his team. 
Uh, the next thing we'll talk about, uh, you know, as it relates to the bigger picture, um, and that's responsibility. Um, responsibility, ownership for things. Um, they wanted people to understand that in the bigger picture, there's a lot going on. But at the end of the day, who's it up to if you want to have success? It's up to you. So Vince Lombardi, you know, famed football coach from the Packers from way back in the day. When you get into a profession that puts you into the limelight, you have accepted that responsibility. Tony Dungy, although football has been a part of my life that I've really enjoyed, I've always viewed it as a means to do something more. It's your responsibility to bring the best in you because so many different people are counting on you. You are a part, as we'll talk about in a second here, of something so much greater than yourself. And if you don't have responsibility for that, then you are not going to be truly successful as an individual and you're not going to be successful as a team. And so just again, ownership, man, like it's such an important part of personal development. And like the last thing you want to be is an excuse maker. The last thing you want to be is a blamer and a finger pointer. Like all the successful people that I've been fortunate enough to be around. And there's a lot ownership and responsibility and taking taking that responsibility for the things and having a responsibility for something greater um, was a huge determining factor for these people being great. In my opinion, none of them were excuse makers. None of them were people who would blame others and point fingers. I think that, um, you know, just taking responsibility for things is, is such a huge thing. Um, and then the last thing that we'll talk about is, um, just being a part of something greater than yourself and how empowering and how just incredible of a feeling that can be. Uh, Phil Jackson, this was his quote. I've learned that the most effective way to forge a winning team is to call on players need to connect with something larger than themselves. And then Jim Tressel, every great team I've ever been a part of has at some point come to the realization that our winning or losing affects more than just of those of us in the room. Um, again, I've coached at some pretty awesome places, uh, coached at Miami, coached at Cornell, coached at Michigan. These are places where hockey is really, really important to the school. Hockey is really, really important to the town. Hockey is really, really important to the alumni. And so having an understanding that there were those before you and there are those that are there right now that really care about what you do and how you act, how you come to compete every day. It means something to more than just yourself. And, you know, one of the things that I always talk about in my recruiting pitch, specifically when I was um, coaching at Cornell and as an alum, you know, there are so many people that had blood, sweat, and tears to build the program to where it is today. And at Cornell, we're always in the running for an ECAC and a national championship. At Cornell, you know, there's an expectation to win every year. At Cornell, there are sold-out crowds in the stands every year. It's your responsibility as an individual athlete to live up to that legacy and leave this place better than where you found it. Um, and I think players that we recruited that really bought into that 
you know, they were so passionate about Cornell. They were so passionate about like Ithaca and the surrounding communities and so passionate about just everything that Cornell represented. And it's really, really cool to see when the team really rallies around that kind of thing. And they understand that this isn't just about us. Like there are people that live and die with our program. <laughs> there are people that when we lose, they're going to have a bad day the next day. There are people that are investing a lot of time and effort and money into coming to watch us play or to help support the program so we can have all the great amenities within the rink and within the program and stuff like that. So just the understanding that you are a part of something greater than you, it just goes such a long, long way to to recognize the importance of what you're doing. And when you do that and you fully buy into it and lean into it, like, man, can you get passionate about something? And, and, and it just becomes you're a part of that family. And I think that's really, really, really cool. So yeah, we talked about, again, this is so weird doing this on my own. Typically I can like, Hey Vex, what do you think about this? And then he'll come up with some funny meaty comment, but I don't have Vex across the zoom screen for me right now. So, uh, I guess we're just going to have to keep on keeping on here. Uh, throat starting to hurt a little bit. Need, need some, uh, drinks of water here. This is a lot of talking and not a lot of time, not used to this, but, uh, we're just going to keep trucking on for you here. And, uh, um, next thing we're going to talk about, again, we've talked about being a part of something greater. We've talked about the, the focus on personal relationships and how important those were for all the coaches that I read about and, and that I'm speaking about as a part of my, uh, exit oral presentation, my master's thesis at Miami of Ohio back in 2011. Uh, the next thing we are going to talk about here, guys, is just from me reading just certain characteristics that I felt the coaches had uh, certain things that they talked about that they wanted the leaders within their program to embody, to really bring out the best of like the people that they were leading. Right. So um, there's going to be seven things that we'll talk about here. Again, this is a little PowerPoint presentation. So it's easy for me to just kind of go point by point. Sorry, a little drink of water right there. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about is authenticity. Second thing is the importance of being a role model. Third thing is being humble and uh, exercising humility. Fourth thing is all of these um, all of these coaches talked about how important it was to be a good teacher, not just a leader, but a good teacher. Uh, fifth thing is they were all committed to learning. They were never thinking that they were the smartest person in the room. They were always committed to to being better. Um, the sixth thing I call it into the trenches. They were in the trenches with their team. They weren't this coach, uh, high up on a mountain screaming out orders at, at everybody else. They, they were a part of, of being in it and, and grinding every day. And then the last thing is, is they just love what they did. They had a passion for what they did. So, um, to start things off and, and I think this is the greatest attribute of any coach, but just authenticity and Vince Lombardi, the successful man is himself right? The successful man is himself. And, and I know I've made this mistake and I know a lot of other coaches and leaders have made this mistake. When we do get into that leadership position, we try to be somebody that we're not. But at the end of the day, we were given that position by who we are and what we do. And so we got to lean into that. Again, does that mean that we have to stay the same forever? No. But the core values of who we are and, and, and how we act, we have to stay true to those things. We have to stay true to those things. And the reason why is it comes back to a quote here from Tony Dungy. Now, mentor leaders must be genuine. People know a fake when they see one. If you're going so far out of the realm of who you are to try to be a leader, or you're trying to play mind games or whatever it may be, like the people you're leading are going to see right through that. 
they're going to see right through that, right? And so you have to be yourself. You have to be yourself. Again, that doesn't mean you can't change. That doesn't mean you can't improve. That doesn't mean you can get, uh, don't have to get other perspectives on things. But again, the successful man is himself. The next thing that we'll talk about is the importance of being a great role model. And Vex and I talk about it all the time. Lessons are caught, not taught. And what you do speaks so much louder than what you say. Again, these people, you know, it wasn't about uh, authoritarianism where they're standing up on a mountain screaming out orders and everybody like they, they really had to be in it and they had to lead by example. Okay. So Bill Walsh, first thing that he talks about, others follow you based on the quality of your actions rather than the magnitude of your declarations. What a freaking saying other people. Others follow you based on the quality of your actions rather than the magnitude of your declarations. What an awesome statement. Again, it goes to it like what you do speaks so much louder than what you say. Unbelievable. John Wooden, a leader's most powerful ally is his example. Such a powerful statement as well. Because like if you're telling people to work hard, but you don't work hard, you ain't getting any respect. If you're telling people to be a good person, but you're not a good person, you ain't getting any respect. Nobody's going to buy into what you're doing. Right. So again, a leader's most powerful ally, his example. And then, um, Tony Dungy, this is a really cool quote too. preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words, man, profound, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words just, uh, and again, Tony Dungy is a man of faith. Uh, but what, what a saying. And again, so like, wow, this is some powerful sayings in this role model. And <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, but anyway, like, again, you got to lead by example. If you're saying things that people need to do, you got to do them yourself. Uh, next thing we'll talk about is just being humble. Like these leaders, they all talked about the importance of, of exercising humility and being humble as, as a human being. Uh, Tony Dungy, am I prepared to have great success and not get any credit for it? Right. A lot of people on a lot of teams have a lot of success and don't get a lot of credit for it. Again, as a coach, what do we talk about? We talk about accepting criticism and deflecting praise. Accept the criticism, deflecting praise to, to everybody else. You hear that in all different sports interviews all the time. Lou Holtz, his saying, I accepted blame for a loss. As a coach, you should. Before you start blaming others, you have to look at yourself. So just being humble, um, I think goes a long, long way to not only getting your point across as a leader, so people will follow you, but also like, it's something that really, if you live that it can decrease the complacency within your team as well. Again, all of these coaches won championships. All these coaches had really, really successful programs or organizations. And, and a lot of it was born out of being humble and not being satisfied always wanting to get better, right? So huge, huge part of the characteristics of these coaches and what was important to them. Um, good teachers. These coaches talked about the importance of being really, really good teachers. Um, Vince Lombardi, they call it coaching, but it's really teaching. You don't just tell them it is so, but you show them the reason why it is so, and you repeat and repeat until they are convinced. Again, they call it coaching, but it's teaching. You don't just tell them it is so, but you show them the reason why it is so, and you repeat and repeat until they are convinced. This is a guy that coached 50 years ago, and he's talking about 
it's important to tell them why. And that's what coaching is nowadays. And people talk about how like, that's the difference between players nowadays and players in the past is the players nowadays. They just have to know why. And the players in the past, it was just, you tell them to jump and they'll say how high, well, this is why Vince Lombardi built dynasties because he was a man ahead of his time. Right. And so, yeah, was he tough for sure? But at the end of the day, he was a teacher. Why are we doing these things? Actually teaching things so that the players don't just do them, but they absorb the why, which again leads to a bigger purpose of the how. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, And then Lou Holtz, football coach, when he talks about being a good teacher, he says, number one, you have to know your subject inside and out. Number two, you have to present what you're saying in a cohesive and interesting way. And then number three, you have to have enthusiasm for what you're teaching and you have to have an enthusiasm for teaching as a whole, right? So again, we're not just leading. We have to, we have to be good teachers. We have to teach these players, teach these employees, teach these people that we are leading what it is that they need to do to have the success individually and for us collectively to have success as a team. These people were really, really good at getting into the nitty gritty and teaching people what was important and how to do things. Um, These coaches were always really, really committed to learning. Um, Lou Holtz, a day without learning is a day without living. Tony Dungy, I was always talking with other coaches, listening to our players or studying what others were doing to see if there were improvements to be made. Um, A lot of the successful coaches that I've had the opportunity to work with, again, they were never satisfied, but they were particularly never satisfied with their own knowledge about what they were doing. Always seeking out other opinions, always talking to other coaches. Um, I I think that that was a, a huge part of what makes coaches successful and what I saw in reading all these successful coaches as well. And so just like, what are you doing for your own professional development? What are you doing for your own personal development? So you were a little bit better today than you were yesterday. Um, A huge one, these coaches were in the trenches. These coaches were role models. These coaches were not going to do, we're not going to not do things that they, or sorry, hold on a sec. Let me rephrase this. These coaches didn't ask anybody to do things that they weren't willing to do themselves. And the other people that they were leading knew that. So Bill Walsh, what does 100% total effort look like? The leader is one who answers that question by example for the entire team. They were going to show what hard work looks like. Tony Dungy, in order to lead effectively, mentor leaders must be willing to get into the trenches and have their team's backs, right? So these coaches went out of their way and took it upon themselves to show what work ethic looked like, to be in the trenches with them, to feel it when they lost, to feel the emotion when they win. The players thought that they were a part of it. They didn't think that they were a piece of it that you know was kind of separate than them. They thought that they were a part of it and they showed what it mean to be in the trenches with what they did and how they acted on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then lastly, these coaches talked about passion. They talked about loving what you do. Vince Lombardi, the flame that burns inside him, the magnetism which draws the hearts of other men to him. John Wooden, you have to like what you're doing and your heart must be in it. So these coaches loved showing up to work, quote unquote, work every day. What was the flame that burns inside you? What's the magnetism that draws other people's hearts to you? It all relates around passion. And I've said this once, I'll say it a million times. 
the best people that I've been around that are truly, truly elite at what they do. And I don't mean elite in the sense that like everybody's elite nowadays, at least that's what I'm seeing on social media. Um, but like the truly special people that I've been a part of their journeys, they absolutely loved what they did. They had a passion for it. And because they had a passion for it, they were committed to it. And because they were committed to it, they worked every day to get better on it. And when they worked every day, they built up great habits. And when they built up those great habits, that's when they became excellent at what they did. But it all starts with passion, man. It all starts with passion. These people, they understood that loving what you do was a key and common element the key and common element to being truly great at what you do. So again, those are the coaches characteristics that they talked about that they felt that they had, that they felt that other people that they know who were great had and something that I hope you guys can carry on with, uh, with your leadership journeys with where you are at as well. So um, moving on last thing we're going to talk about, and this is something that Vex and I talk about all the time and that's habits. Uh, so when it comes to habits, like what are things that are really important that you need to be instilling in your team, instilling in your players every single day? Um, we're going to talk about seven things. First thing, talking about the journey. Second thing, talking about discipline. Third thing, talking about beating adversity and pressure. The fourth thing, we're going to talk about fundamentals and details. The fifth thing we're going to talk about is beating complacency. The sixth thing, getting better every day. And we're going to tie that all together with just a work work ethic and how the habit of just working hard every day and getting that little bit better elevates people to greatness. Um, first thing that we'll talk about as it relates to habits is why are these important? Um, John Wooden, this goal will be simply a byproduct of all the hard work and good thinking you do along the way. It's all about your preparation. Bill Walsh, the score takes care of yourself or sorry, the score takes care of itself. That's actually what he named his book. The score takes care of itself. So everything that you do on Friday or Saturday nights when you're playing in your game, it's all a byproduct of what you do during the week to prepare. What are the habits that you're instilling in your people on an everyday basis so they can just go out and absolutely play? Um, I had a great conversation with Reed Cashman, used to be an assistant at Quinnipiac. Then he went on to the Washington Capitals. Now he's the head coach at Dartmouth. He was on our podcast. And one of the things he said is, Dude, my job is Monday to Thursday. My job is Monday to Thursday to make sure I'm instilling the habits necessary for these guys so they can just go out and play free on Friday and Saturday. And I thought that was just such a profound statement. And that's something that these coaches talked about continuously throughout their books, building the habits, building the habits, building the habits. Um, before we talk about really like building the habits, it kind of relates to what we were talking about. These coaches are really big on the journey, really big on the journey. John Wooden. Winning games, titles, and championships isn't at all isn't all it's cracked up to be, and that getting there, the journey is a lot more than it's cracked up to be. Again, winning games, titles, and championships isn't all it's cracked up to be. Getting there, the journey is a lot more than it's cracked up to be. Again, that's the stuff you remember. You remember the journey. Obviously, you remember the championships, but you remember the time in the locker room with the fellas. You remember the crazy things you did together. You remember all the laughs. You remember the crazy stories and things like that. Um, you know, it's a huge part of it. And so, like every day, what's a habit? Like reminding the players about the journey, 
the journey, the building of the habits is what is the most important thing. If you want the thing at the end of the rainbow and Roy Williams, you know, famed coach, uh, coached at Kansas basketball for a long time, national championship with uh, North Carolina coached uh, Michael Jordan as an assistant way back in the day. You know, one of the things he talked about, I knew that I'd have to keep reminding them to enjoy the ride. Again, what we're doing, this is, I mean, we're talking about the NHL and, and college hockey and juniors and stuff, but even at the youngest of levels, it gets a little crazy and there's a lot of pressure on these kids. I knew that I'd have to keep reminding them to enjoy the ride, right? And when you're enjoying the ride, you're going to build up the habits every day. So these these coaches, they really put a lot of emphasis into the journey, really a lot of emphasis into talking about it all the time with the players. Um, discipline, huge habit, huge habit that these coaches talked about. You can't have success without having discipline. Um, Bill Walsh, discipline must be a habit so ingrained that it is stronger than the excitement of battle or the fear of death creating habits that hold up under pressure. Lou Holtz, I've worked hard to be the firmest and fairest disciplinarian as possible. And the reason why I put these two quotes on there is because discipline, I feel like, gets thought of in the Lou Holtz kind of way. Discipline is something that when somebody gets out of line, you have to hold that person accountable. For me, that's a small part of discipline. For me, discipline is more about what Bill Walsh talked about. And that's the discipline to do the right things necessary every single day to get to the point that you want to go because you can't get a hundred percent better in a day, but you can get better 1% a day or 0.1% better a day. But unless you stack those wins every day, you're not really going to get better. It, there's got to be a consistency to it. And consistency is a first cousin to discipline in my eyes. So what kind of discipline are you creating within your program? So players are enjoying the journey and want to get that better that 1% better every day. Um, the next thing they talked about all the time as it relates to habits is like really making it tough every day so habits can come out under pressure in adverse times. Jim Tressel, there's no education like adversity. John Wooden, the pressure I created in practices may have exceeded that which opponents produced. I believe when an individual consistently works under pressure, he or she will respond automatically when faced with it during competition. Again, the military, you don't rise to the level of the occasion, you fall to the level of your training, right? And so in practices, how much pressure are you putting on the players? How much are you making the players compete and earn all the things that they're going to get in the games, right? And so John wouldn't like, I think that my time at Cornell, when we were winning championships as a player, particularly like our practices were war. They were so much easier than the games almost. We competed so hard against each other. So creating that culture where like, competition in practice is fierce competition in practice. Like you don't want to give up an inch. So putting players in adverse situation in training will allow them to bring the best version of themselves in competition. Um, when it comes to habits, the next thing, fundamentals and details, these coaches were so, so big on fundamentals and details at the college and pro levels. So for all the youth coaches out there that they have ah, fundamentals, that's not really no fundamentals are even being worked on at the highest of levels, the highest and being just absolutely ingrained in these players all the time. So again, what does it mean? Tony Dungy champions don't beat themselves. If you want to win, do the ordinary things better than anyone else does day in and day out. Bill Walsh, the intense focus 
on the pertinent details cements the foundation that establishes that establishes excellence in performance. Details, fundamentals, doing the ordinary things better than anyone else does. You know, I don't know if these coaches were better tacticians or had better X's and O's than everybody else, but they knew how to just ingrain their players in the details of what was important, focusing on those things every day so that the players were getting that 1% better every day. Um, Beating complacency, Jim Tressel. When we get accolades and people tell us how great we are, instead of responding with humility and getting back to work, our tendency is to agree with what we're hearing. That goes back to what society is kind of like talking to our kids about today. But like he talked about how it's really, really easy when things are going well to agree with what people are saying about us. When things aren't going so well, we tend not to agree. Um, But that is just human nature. That's absolutely human nature. But these coaches talked about how important it was to stay on the straight and narrow and how important it was to get back to our equilibrium every day of getting back to the fundamentals and habits. Um, Bill Walsh, mastery requires remastery. In fact, I don't believe there ever is true mastery. It is a process, not a destination. Really, really, really cool. And then Pat Riley, famed basketball coach, complacency is the success disease. Complacency is the success disease. Mastery requires remastery. It's a process, not a destination. Um, so as coaches, these these guys, they really like just it's it's all about coming back. It's a process. It's all about coming back and not being too high when you get too high, not being too low, um, you know, in, in the adversity and in the tough times. And so I just think that like they really, really preached um, not being complacent and working hard every single day on those habits and fundamentals. Uh, again, getting back uh, to getting better every day. John Wooden, I urge my players to try their hardest to improve on that very day, to make that practice a masterpiece. Another thing huge, being in the moment, not looking too far ahead, not beating yourself up about past mistakes. What are you doing in the present moment? And then John Wooden, perfection is an impossibility. However, striving for perfection is not an impossibility. What a saying. Perfection is an impossibility. However, striving for perfection is not an impossibility. Man, just so profound. John Wooden, just a philosopher. There's a reason why this guy's won so many championships. It's uh, it's unbelievable, but it's true. Perfection is a, is it's a, it's not attainable. Perfectionism is a bit of a, a disease. I'm one that deals with it too. If I looked at life more in a, I want to strive for perfection, not in attaining perfection as a result, I'm sure I would be a lot <laughs> more sane and I would enjoy what I do a little bit more. I'm sure people out there can empathize with that, but um, just awesome, awesome advice there from Coach Wooden, just about getting better every day, focusing on the process and enjoying the here and now and the present moment. Um, you know, when you talk about building this all together, just combining everything we're just talking about as it relates to the habits and the fundamentals and the details. Bill Walsh, aggressive leaders, effective leaders. They push individuals hard and then we push harder, knowing that one of our responsibilities is to get that extra effort necessary. It's all about the work ethic. It's about bringing it every single day and bringing the best of what you have every single day. And then Lou Holtz, you work hard and you suffer because it makes you a better man. Internal rewards, 
the ones you gain from pain, sweat, and tears, they stick with you forever. How true is that? You talk about like the Wayne Gretzky story when they weren't winning championships and they saw the Islanders winning championships and he walks by their locker room expecting a, uh, you know, a huge celebration. And when he walked by, it was kind of silent and people were just sitting there with ice bags on their shoulders and ice bags on their knees. And it was almost like a relief that it was over because they put so much into it. Um, Hard work is a defining characteristic for any successful person. Um, hard work doesn't just mean bringing it 100%. Hard work brings it means bringing it 100% every single day. That's what these people strove for. That's what these people pushed people towards. And that's what these coaches ultimately at the end of the day, that's how they lived. That's how they led from the front by being the hardest workers within their program. They showed people the way. So that was a lot of talking here. That was a lot of talking. I miss Vex. I miss my buddy. Um, but hopefully again, you guys can take something out of this um, that you can use in, in your life today. Again, what we're talking about here is my exit thesis from my master's program at Miami how do these college and professional coaches, what are the key and common elements that they brought? What were the key and common elements that they valued that allowed their organizations, that allowed their programs to become truly elite and truly special? And again, just to kind of recap it, first off, they put a huge emphasis on people and personal relationships. Second off, they had an appreciation for the bigger picture of things. Third, they had similar characteristics that they not only had as individuals, but that they tried to instill in the people that they were leading. And then fourth, they really, really, really had an intense focus on the habits and the fundamentals and the details of what they were doing on a consistent everyday basis. So hopefully you guys got something out of this. Like I said, um, we love you. I so appreciate all the support that you guys have given to us and this podcast. Uh, I hope Vex is enjoying his time in beautiful Hawaii with his beautiful bride, Kylie, and uh, can't wait to see you guys all for the next episode of the Hockey Think Tank Podcast. See ya. <laughs>